We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hub Arkish. Hub Arkush. Hub Arkish is an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Made a huge living talking football. He's constantly wrong. Anyone can do postgame. Well, thanks. You know, Hub, I think you hit a great point there. Hub Arkish. Good for you, and you know, I'm sure that's something you're proud of. Hub Arkish doesn't get any better than this. Hello. Hub Arkish, 670 to score, senior football expert. Hey guys, welcome in everybody to our Cutdown Evening Special here at 670 The Score. I am Hub Arkish, going to be with you until 9 o'clock tonight. We've got Brandon Pryor behind the, the glass, spinning the dials. He'll be the friendly voice on the other end of the phone when you guys give me a call on the score listener lines provided by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That listener line, 312-644-6767. Again, taking your calls, your questions, your comments at 312-644-6767. And if you want to join me in the Tech Zone, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin, save time shop online at RosenHyundai.com, you can text at that number too. Again, it's 312-644-6767. That, of course, is always my favorite part of getting to sit in and host these shows and visit with you all is talking to the best sports fans, I believe, in the world right here at Chicago's number one rated all sports radio station. And we also have an incredible lineup of expert guests for you this evening. That one is hats off to Brandon. Mr. Fryer outdid himself tonight. In just a few minutes at 6.20, Dan Pompey of The Athletic and a regular here along with me at The Score is going to join us as we take a little wider view NFL on cut down evening. At 7 o'clock, Greg Gabriel. Greg, of course, was the director of college personnel for the Bears for over a decade, over 30 years as an NFL scout. Nobody is more intimate with the inner workings of what's going on at Hallis Hall and in all 32 war rooms around the NFL this evening. Got to visit with Greg briefly Friday night, and it just wasn't enough time, so we brought him back tonight. May even ask him to stick around for a second segment. We'll see. That'll be at 7. At 7.40, Big Ant. Anthony Heron's been through this a few times. NFL defensive tackle, played for several organizations. Of course, another one of our regulars here at 6.70 to score with a unique view of what's going on around the league tonight and in Lake Forest up at Hallis Hall. And at 8 o'clock, it may be 8.20. It depends on what time Eric at home can get the twins to bed. Uh, but Eric is a longtime associate of mine at Pro Football Weekly, currently the NFL draft expert and NFL beat reporter at yahoosports.com. 
com. So we've got special guests every hour tonight. And again, we're going to wrap that around your phone calls and texts and comments. So uh, really looking forward to this evening. 312-644-6767 again is the phone number. And guys, I have just returned from spending the day out at Hallis Hall. We got to visit with Matt Nagy today, with Andy Dalton. Uh, Marquise Goodwin stopped by the media room, as did Kendall Vildor and Mar- uh, I said Marquise Goodwin. I'm sorry. Um, uh, and, and it's really it's a tough time around the NFL because even though almost any of us could name the first 45 to 50 people on the roster, uh, there are three, four, five, six, seven players in every NFL camp who are going to get those last few spots who just are no more sure right now than the first 10 or 12 who are going to get cut. Uh, was out on the practice field today, and you know normally we go out and we try and take attendance so we can get a handle on who might be injured, uh, you know who might not be able to practice. But when you've got 80 to 90 guys on the field, that's pretty tough. Um, and we had a limited time. This was in-season rules, so we really only got to view the first 10, 15 minutes of practice. So all I did was count live bodies, and there were 67 live bodies on the field. That doesn't mean a lot. There's 13 other guys on the roster who could have been inside getting treatment. They could have been inside talking to people in the front office. Um, uh, they, They could have been anywhere, and there are guys on the field who clearly are going to be cut. Um, but it did give us an idea, at least, of where the Bears were at going into tonight. Tomorrow, it is dark at Hallis Hall. Players get the day off. Media is off, although we're not off, obviously. We're going to be following the cuts as best we can. We may even get notice of some roster moves this evening while we're on the air. If we do, we will bring those to you. But this is what you wait for all during the off season. By 3 o'clock tomorrow, the Bears will have cut down to 53. There is even a chance that they will cut down to 52 or 51. And the reason for that, I I suspect you know this, uh, but in case you don't, the cuts are coming a week earlier this year, or let's just say that the season is starting a week later. In the move from four preseason games to three preseason games, instead of playing that final game on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night, and then having your final cuts in um, by Sunday or Monday, This year, the league will play, well, they've played their final preseason games. The final cut down will be Tuesday, but then there will be no regular season games until a week from Thursday and a week from Sunday. So teams getting an extra week to scour the waiver wires, to see what players have become available with other teams, to try and reclaim a number of their own players that they've cut for their practice squad. So there is going to be some significant movement after uh, tomorrow, but the first step is to get down to the 53 tomorrow. I actually posted a column, uh, my column for the papers tomorrow, but I think it's probably available right now at shawlocal.com if you want to go ahead and read and listen at the same time. And I wrote about what I think are the most difficult decisions for the Bears. Uh, can't really identify the final cuts for you at this point. I think I have a pretty good idea, um, but you never know what's in the coaches' minds. There were some interesting decisions made uh, Saturday night. Eric Ogletree uh, uh, didn't dress, so we assume he's claimed one of those inside linebacker spots. That means that almost certainly either Joel Ayabuniwe or Josh Woods or maybe even both are gone because it's hard to imagine Christian Jones not making the team either. So some very difficult decisions to be made there. You've got a veteran in Desmond Trufant who was signed to be the replacement for Kyle Fuller. 
Um, unfortunately, has been forced to be away from the team for a couple of weeks now with a personal issue. It's personal, so nobody's confirming anything, but we do know that his dad passed away two weeks ago. And so you've got this veteran in a difficult position needing to be with his family right now. And yet, you know, will he be, I don't want to say gifted a spot on the roster. He was signed, you know, ideally to be the starter. Um, but having not worked the last couple of weeks with the competition there being so fierce, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. You've also got a situation where the Bears would like to carry five or six cornerbacks. That only leaves room for four safeties, and yet they've got six safeties on the roster right now who can all play in the NFL. Marquis Christian, I think maybe close to claiming the starting nickel spot, so that would allow you to keep one less corner and one more safety, leaving room for both uh, Deion Bush is a lock, I think, is the number three, but is DeAndre Houston Carson a lock is the number four, being one of the better special teams players. If they can keep both him and Marquis Christian, who is also a special teams demon, uh, that changes the numbers game with five safeties and five corners. It's hard to imagine him keeping 11 defensive backs when you look at the issues on the offensive line. Can they carry a ninth offensive lineman? One thing you have to remember is that if they believe Tevin Jenkins is still going to be available this year, he has to make the final 53 to be eligible to go on IR and be brought back in season. Now, they could put him on IR right now and leave that 53rd spot available, but if he goes on IR prior to the final cutdown, he's not eligible to play again until next year. And we've been told pretty emphatically that the Bears would like to see him this year. So that means that your eight offensive linemen, uh, are the five starters, you know, Jason Peters, we assume, and, and Jermaine Effetti at the tackles. And then Alex Bars and Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins seem to be locks, you know. So is Elijah Wilkinson in jeopardy? What about Latavius Simmons and Arlington Hambright? Uh, a real difficult numbers game there. And that is also a spot where I could practically guarantee you they're going to be watching the waiver wires to see if any other veteran tackles uh, hit the street who might make a better option as a swing tackle, which they've tried to sell Elijah Wilkinson as, but I'm just not sure he is. I would hate to see him in a regular season game at left tackle. I'm not positive that he's their best option at right tackle. So these are decisions to keep an eye on. You get to the tight ends. It's hard to imagine Jesper Horstead getting cut after Saturday night, but there's there's just no way with the numbers game that I can see them carrying five um, unless they go with three running backs, which I think would, would really be surprising. Um, now, Tariq Cohn, I do not believe, needs one of the 53 roster spots. He's been on PUP all through camp. If he remains on PUP, he would still be eligible to come off that list after the third week of the season. Um, but you're going to go into the season w with just... Uh, David Montgomery, um, uh, Damian Williams, and Khalil Herbert, who I'm sure has claimed a spot. That seems a bit iffy. I, I think that Ryan Nall is the front run over Artavis Pierce, even though Pierce got carries Saturday night and Nall did not. That may be because, like Ogletree, Nall already had a spot lined up. So these are all really difficult decisions for the Bears to, to make. Um, and then I, I, I got distracted with the tight end conversation. You know, J.P. Holtz is one of the Bears' better special teamers. Special teams are a concern right now. You know that the first three are clearly Cole Komet, uh, Jimmy Graham, and, and, and Jesse James. And, and I just don't – I think the Bears are pushed to carry four, let alone five. Holtz has been down about 10 days now with a chest injury. But more interestingly, you've got Cole Komet and Jesse James – 
and J.P. Holtz are all pretty much pure Y tight ends. None of them are good enough receivers, at least at this stage, to be U tight ends. Jimmy Graham's the only guy you've got in that spot. Jesper Horstead is converted from wide receiver to tight end, but he's still more of a U. He's not a guy ideally you want as an inline blocker. So is he a better fit on this roster if there's a fourth tight end than J.P. Holtz? Really tough decisions for them to make there. And then, of course, the Bears are scouring the waiver wires to see who, what veterans or youngsters become available that, that might be an upgrade. So we'll keep an eye on that for you all night long. We'll talk about it with our expert guests. Right now, though, I do want to jump right out to the phone lines. Again, the score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Joe is out in St. Charles and the first caller to join us tonight. Joe, thanks so much for calling. How you doing? Hi, Hub. I, I think you're really good on the radio. Thank um, you. But, um, <laughs> you know, for years, you have been, like, absolutely critical of Charles Leno. Mm -hmm. But looking at, like, the situation right now, in all honesty, do you think they'd be better with him or what they've got? Well, Joe, I, you know, if they didn't have Jason Peters, I'd say they'd be better with him, but that's because everybody thought Tevin Jenkins was going to be a plug-and-play left tackle, and I think they would have been better off if they believe he's the left tackle of the future going ahead and doing it. It's not like quarterback where, where he's likely to cost you games with one or two bad decisions based on inexperience. Um, and so had Jenkins, you know, had the, had the preseason, was he the starting left tackle? And I'd say, yeah, I still think they're better off without uh, Charles Leno. With Jason Peters, I think they're better off than Charles Leno. I was watching Peters today. He's still got a lot of work to do. But, Joe, this is a future Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, th this is a nine-time Pro Bowler, a four-time All-Pro. And with what I was, I, you know, and again, it was limited. I only saw him in the stretch and doing some conditioning. But just seeing the way he was working, the way he was moving, um, yeah, I, I think they're better off with Jason Peters. And by the way, keep in mind that the Jason Peters, um, Tevin Jenkins, uh, Larry Borum, probably your first three left tackles right now, and throw in Elijah Wilkinson as the fourth, the combination of their four cap hits still only match Charles Leno's cap hit. So, yes, I think they're better off without Leno. Uh, and I would like to add, Joe, and you're being very fair, I have been very critical of Leno as a left tackle, but I have tried to go out of my way and point out that, that he's an outstanding young man, and I'm happy for him that he's made millions playing for the Chicago Bears and that he did sign a nice contract uh, in Washington, and we'll see what he does there if he gets a chance to be their starting left tackle. I'm going to squeeze one more in, and then I'm going to have to break because we've got Dan Pompey waiting, but Dan, a different Dan, is out in Homer Glen, and Dan, I appreciate you calling as well. How you doing? Good. How are you, Hub? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but something – strikes me as odd how Justin Fields' draft stock fell so so far, given his performance in college and especially the semifinals. Now, having said that, a guy like Dan uh, Orlowski on, on McAfee's show said that he was the last one in, first one out type of guy, and GMs were kind of off-put by that. Is it possible, given how cryptic Coach Dan, Nagy time out, Dan, and, uh, time out. Dan, whoa, let me ask you a question, just so I'm clear on what you're saying. Dan Orlovsky questioned his work habits, said he was last guy in, yes. first guy out? Yes, he, he questioned that. Now, he, he didn't question it himself, but on McAfee's show, he said that he had inside sources that said that Justin Fields was the last one in, 
first one out type of guy in his draft stock is is falling because of that prior to the draft. Now, having said that, and I was shocked by it too, seeing that gutsy performance that he performed in the semifinal in the national championship game. But is it possible that Pace and Nagy planted false information about this kid to see possibly, if possible, that they could draft him at a position where they did it at pick number 11? All right, well, Dan, there's a whole bunch there to unpack, and I'm going to do it quickly. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I like Dan Orlowski's work, but but I think he needs to get better sources because it is pretty much universally acknowledged that one of the great things about Justin Fields are his work habits and his focus. So I don't know where Orlowski got that from. And again, I'm not criticizing him. He's saying somebody else told him, uh, but I would certainly question whoever told him that. Is it possible that, 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 that you know, Ryan Pace and, and, and Matt Nagy worked back channels to, to lower his draft stock for a crack at him? Sure, it's possible. And it would be very smart if they did. Um, but, but let's be clear. Dropping from number two in the draft, which is where he should have gone to number 11, is not a dramatic drop, you know, and, and, and I think that most agree that what really changed his draft status was the reports of his epilepsy coming out three weeks before the draft because teams did not have the full medicals that they're used to having with a normal combine and, and teams were unsure. I think that made people a little skeptical. There was also the questionable performances in terms of his field generalship against Northwestern and Indiana in two fairly significant games. But I think, again, we need to point out here, everybody has them. No college quarterback is perfect. Um, and he bounced back from each of those games to play two of his best games of his college career. So um, listen, the, the draft is the draft. Everybody has different analyses. And um, I can understand flipping a coin and taking a chance on Trey Lance ahead of him. I wouldn't have done it. But Trey Lance is such a unique athlete that you're, you're going for traits, you know, which is something that Ryan Pace has done a lot of. I cannot for the life of me understand taking Zach Wilson ahead of Justin Fields. I, I, I don't know what the Jets were thinking or if any other team would have done it, but that's, that's what they did. And I'm not saying Zach Wilson isn't a first-round quarterback, but he's definitely not the prospect that Justin Fields is. So um, th there could have been all kinds of conspiracies going on, but, but you got to start by debunking this idea that there were questions about Justin Fields' work habits because I have not heard that from anybody. Guys, thank you very much for the calls. We're going to get right back to the phone lines in a little while, but up next, one of my best buddies in the business, one of the best minds in the business. We're fortunate to have him as a regular here at 670 The Score, and you should be reading him every day at The Athletic. Dan Pompey is going to stop by. We've got that next right here at 670 The Score. They're working through all that right now, Ryan is. They're, they're going to... Uh... I mean, that's something that's fluid, and they're, they're literally in there right now working through the numbers and where we're at and, and having we'll, we'll meet tonight as a staff, go through and really start finalizing as to where we're at. Um, and so once we, you know, this is that time right now where it's in, these guys have worked their tails off to get to this point, and unfortunately you have to have some, some tough conversations with them, and this is probably the worst part of the, of the year is when you got to tell some of these guys, um, you know, that it's not going to work out here. Welcome back, everybody, to the program. That was Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking to us today about the realities of, at the time, was the next 28, 30 hours or so. We, we're now down uh, basically to 21 hours. I, I don't be, mean to be dramatic about this, but it is pretty dramatic for, for the, the young men uh, who are looking at their professional futures, careers, uh, that could get a big boost in the next uh, little less than a day or could be dealt a really significant blow. It is not a pleasant time for anybody, really. I mean, even the guys who make it 
uh, you know, they're thrilled, but they're still uh, going to see some really good friends get some awful news. So you just have to work through it. And as Matt and Aggie just told us, they're going to be burning the midnight oil up at Hallis Hall today trying to figure it out. And I'm sure there's a couple decisions that will probably go right down to the wire at 3 o'clock Chicago time tomorrow uh, as they wait and see what other teams might be doing and get a feel uh, for what players might be coming available. Right now, one of my best friends in the business and more importantly, one of the best voices in the business, uh, one of the best reads in the business, Dan Pompey, of course, a longtime regular here in the Chicagoland area, most recently with The Athletic. You should be reading him every day. He also is a regular here with us at 670 The Score and good enough to take time out for me this evening on our guest hotline, the Circa Resort and Casino hotline. Circa Resort and Casino is Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And Dan, welcome into the program. Thank you so much for taking time out for us tonight. Yeah, always good to be with you, Hub. Exciting time with uh, the season coming at us fast and uh, obviously cut downs and roster maneuvering going on this week. So a lot to talk about. Yeah, and Dan, actually, I, I want to get into some, some Bear-specific stuff, but we had a caller uh, a few minutes ago, and I'm just assuming that, that he quoted Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback, now fellow media member, correctly, when he said he heard Orlovsky say that the reason that Justin Fields' draft stock fell as much as it did, according to some of his sources, he said he wasn't reporting this directly, but some of his sources were telling him that they had heard that he had an issue with being the last guy in, first guy out in terms of his work habits. That is the exact opposite of everything I've heard from every source I have about Justin Fields. I'm wondering you know, what your uh, preview on all that was and what you were hearing and what you've continued to hear as we've gotten to today. Well, you know, I, I believe, and unless there's something new from Orlovsky, that was a story that came out uh, a while ago, probably, I'm guessing, if, if my memory serves, in May, you know, after the draft when he said those things. Uh, it might have even been before the draft, as I think about it. I think it was before the draft, and I, I know that uh, I, he kind of backed off it a little bit uh, I know uh, he he ended up talking to Fields about it, and um, I think uh, yeah I I have not heard that about him at all. I I think I think Fields you know from all the research that I did on him before the draft and from the people I've talked to about him after the draft, everything I hear is that he checks all the boxes intangibly in terms of you know work ethic and football character and leadership. And all those kinds of things. You know, if, if he should fail, I'm going to be shocked if it's because of those things. You know, I think uh, he's he's pretty solid in, in every way in that regard. And I think, you know, what he's done in a short period of time here with the Bears shows that. And certainly what he did at Ohio State shows that as well. Yeah, and I think we can put that to bed by saying, regardless of what happened in Columbus and and and, and you know Georgia before that, uh, since he got here, going back to the first weekend in May and observing the way he carries himself and his work habits, I don't see how that could possibly be a concern. So, if that helped him drop to 11 and be there for the Bears, uh, then fine. That that's all the better for the Bears. Um, you know, Dan, I. I'm curious because, um, you know, you and I tend to be more the NFL beat and based here in Chicago, uh, the Bears as well, or at least more the NFL beat these days. 
What is what are you hearing around the league is the impression of the Chicago Bears? Because um, I, I think that, and it's understandable with all they've gone through the last couple of years, but there just seems to be an outsized negativity around this Bears organization here in Chicago um, that isn't matched with the people that I talk to around the league. Well, I think there's some uncertainty. People don't know uh, entirely what to make of them, uh, mostly because of the quarterback situation and how that's going to play out. And, uh, you know, we, nobody knows really if Andy Dalton is going to be in there for the majority of the season or a short portion of the season. Um, and, and if it's Justin Fields, how is that going to impact the fortunes of the team? Um, it's difficult to say, you know, the Bears are a favorite to win the division with, with Aaron Rodgers sitting up there in, in Green Bay. So I think uh, everybody thinks the Packers are the best team in the division. And I would say most of the people that I talk to think that the Vikings are clearly number two, uh, which leaves the Bears probably at number three because Detroit looks like they're kind of uh, revamping themselves with a new head coach, a new program. Uh, but you never know there either. So, um, you know, the Bears have some high-end potential if everything goes right. Uh, I think so far what we've seen in Canto uh, causes some concern. You know, when you look at uh, the offensive line, you look at uh, the defensive backfield and, and the situation, uh, how that's going to impact the, the overall defense. Um, so, you know, they, they're a team that needs things to go right for them to, I think, be in the playoff hunt even. And uh, if they do, though, uh, you know, again, they, they can be a team that makes a noise. Yeah, you know, I think it's hard to rank them any higher than three in the division. Uh, that That's where I would have them right now, although I do think people are, are badly overrating the Vikings right now. I, I just don't see uh, the dynamic offseason that everybody's looking at and saying that suddenly this defense is going to be great again. We shall see. Um, but with the Bears, I was talking to Bernsey and Layla, you know, this morning on the air, and, and, and Dan was pushing me a little bit to, to give an opinion. Are they good, bad, or indifferent? And, and my answer is, you know, give me a call uh, after the Browns game, after they get back from Cleveland. And, and, and where I'm going with that is, to me, it's all about the 30-somethings. I, I, you're going to start five guys on defense who are 30 or 31 years old. And if these guys are all still very close to their prime, very close to their peaks, then this defense has a chance to be very good. And then you go back to 2018 and you see what that can mean. And so there could be some excitement. Uh, the flip side of it, though, is, 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 you know, that's the age where you start to worry a little bit. Uh, certainly Robert Quinn had an off year last year. Eddie Jackson, who's not one of those guys, had an off year last year. So I, I'm saying give me three weeks. You, you know, you've got... Uh, you know, two tough games going to Los Angeles and going to Cleveland, certainly a winnable game in between against Cincinnati at home. And I think at that point, when we just see how these guys look in their unis, you know, how they're playing is when we'll have a better feel for what the starting point is for this team. I don't have a starting point for them right now. And I'm not even talking about the quarterbacks. We'll get to that, you know, but, but I'm more worried uh, about the other guys that you count on. And the question is, can you still count on them? Well, and you're talking about players that have a big impact on others around them too, right? They're potential difference makers. They're some of the players that you really kind of uh, expect to be your standard bearers and, and the guys who uh, carry the team. So, yeah, that's, that's huge. 
And, um, you know, one of those older guys uh, just arrived a few weeks ago in, in Jason Peters. And to me, he's as critical as anybody right now. I mean, you know, if you can't have a left tackle, you can count on, especially with the rest of the offensive line showing to be shaky. I mean, you've got major problems. Now, eventually, you know, maybe Jenkins gets healthy and gets out there, or, or I don't know, may, maybe Larry Borum uh, steps up and they, they give him the job. But um, right now, that position, to me, is a major concern. And, and the age, as, as you talk about it, is a big part of it with Peters. It, not, not only in terms of, you know, it has his play deteriorated, but also can he hold up over any length of time? And I'm curious what you're hearing about Nick Foles. Uh, you know, there's this perception that, that he's likely to be traded uh, in the next 24 hours or maybe even just after the cutdown. Uh, there is no financial incentive for the Bears to do it. They're going to eat some dead cap money one way or the other uh, with the dead cap money versus what they, they owe him to stay. Uh, they might save a million against the cap this year, but they're going to give that and some more back next year. Um, so, so it wouldn't be a financial move. Um, it, it doesn't make you a better football team this year. I don't think you're going to get a starting tackle for him, uh, you know, or, or a starting cornerback. Um, and, and so it seems to me that it makes more sense to hang on to him, that his value only goes up as you get closer to the trade deadline. You get, get these first few weeks out of the way. Uh, there's going to be some quarterback injuries. There's going to be some teams a little bit more desperate. So if maybe... You could pry loose a seventh or a sixth round pick right now. I'm thinking if you hold out a little bit, maybe you could pry loose a five or even a four if a contending team is desperate enough. But but we're not getting any indication from the Bears what they're thinking other than they like their quarterback room. Uh, is there anything you're hearing from your sources that, that gives you any indication what you think might happen there? Well, I, I'd kind of be surprised if he's traded in the near term because I don't know that anything has changed. I mean, what, what you would need for uh, a market to develop is for another team to either have an injury or for them to be dissatisfied with the quarterbacks that they have. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough for a team to bring in a quarterback at this point of the season and to expect much of him unless that team has a level of desperation because, you know, or a level of panic because things aren't going well for them. So yeah, I don't see a lot of teams with that right now. You know, you saw the Minshew trade a couple days ago. Um, I think that was a little bit different because you're talking about a team with uh, a solid number one and a solid number two, it appears like, in Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. So, you know, they weren't counting on Minshew to come in there right away and have an impact. He looks like a clear number three to me unless – something changes there in, in Philadelphia. Uh, so, you know, I, I think um, my, my expectation is Foles stays put for the time being. You know, I, I think if a team really wanted Foles, they could have had him all off season, and the Bears would have been probably happy to take whatever they could and maybe try to move on with a younger quarterback at the time. You know, if they trade him now, um, you know, the, get, they'll, they'll probably have to pick up a guy off the street to replace him uh, who – they wouldn't really be that vested in developing. Yeah, well, for whatever it's worth, Tyler Bray is out there, and, and with the expanded practice squads, he can come back again. So, uh, you know, the idea, I think, is to have a third body that knows the system. I'd hate to think that that would be the answer. Um, but, you know, again, it's another one that we'll have to keep an eye on. 
Um, we're visiting with Dan Pompey here at 670 The Score. Going to be with Dan for a few more minutes. And uh, let, me, let me spread out a little bit here, Dan. Um, with the Packers, and I agree with you, I think they have to be the favorite as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But, but once you get away from the quarterback position, I don't really see them as being that much better than the Vikings or the Bears. You know, maybe a little bit better, maybe not better. Maybe they're all pretty similar. But, but Aaron Rodgers is the clear difference. Um, we hear nothing but great things from Devontae Adams, from Randall Cobb, who's back now, from David Bakhtiari, who's one of his big supporters. But at the end of the day, he put that organization in that locker room and that team through hell over the summer. He doesn't appear to be committed to anything past this year. Uh, what do you think there will, will be the effect, if any, of all that went on, all that unnecessary drama during the offseason up in Green Bay? You know, I, I don't think it's going to impact the team once they start playing games, Hub, because I think most of that was between Rodgers and upper management, and I think that's probably how the locker room is going to look at it. And I think they all feel like, you know, they've got their own battle or their own, uh, you know, fight with upper management for their own status. And, and I don't think players usually begrudge other players for that kind of thing. I could be wrong. Maybe there's some uh, disgruntled people about what happened up there who are teammates of Aaron's. But um, I really think once he, you know, throws that first touchdown pass, uh, all will be forgiven with, with his teammates. And, you know, that they'll see that, he is their best way for all of them to get where they want to go. And and ultimately that's all that matters. David Bakhtiari has been the best left tackle in football the last year and a half or two when he's been healthy. But beyond that, all pro center Corey Lindsley is gone. Former starting guard Lane Taylor is gone. Uh, They've had a revolving door at right tackle the last couple of years off the top of my head. I'm not even even remembering right now who's slated to start there. I know they like Elton Jenkins a lot, but but they do have some exposure on the offensive line when you let a a guy like Lindsley get away. Um, You know, do they have enough to protect Rodgers the way they need to? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think um, the thing with Rodgers is – He's always been so good about, you know, being the sixth offensive lineman, so to speak, a uh, guy who uh, knows when to get rid of the ball, who knows when to uh, move his feet slightly, when to take off running. Um, you know, he's uh, just got a great sense, sense for pressure when it's coming and where it's coming from and how to combat that both before the snap and, and after the snap. And, um, you know, I, I think he's he's been pretty good about minimizing the effects of pressure throughout his entire career. And as you say, he's had some good offensive linemen over time. Um, but uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, to me, they're they're in a better position on the offensive line certainly than the Bears, and I would say it's probably than the than the Vikings uh, as well. So. You know, I, I guess everything's relative. There aren't many great offensive lines out there anymore. And uh, I think most teams have to find a way to make do with what they have. Yeah, you want to look at the truth of that statement. Look at what's happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, for years, the best offensive line in the league, and suddenly everybody's gone at once. The Raiders did the same thing, one of the best lines, and everybody's gone at once. Uh, I, I, again, agree with you, though. As long as you got Bakhtiari, you're you're ahead up on, on the Bears and, and the Vikings. Although, 
I do think the Bears are much improved interior from guard to guard, guard center guard. Um, one more question. I'm going to let you go, Dan. I really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, but I think this is kind of a fun question. I'm not sure if you or, or our audience will agree, but let's try it. We, we know now, you know, in the aftermath, doing all of our postmortems, that the team that the Bears outmaneuvered the most, apparently, to get Justin Fields was the Minnesota Vikings, that, that Rick Spielman appeared to have locked in at 14, was even considering maybe trying to come up a spot or two himself. Bears got them first, took them off the board. Whose quarterback room would you rather have right now? The, the, the Vikings with the uncertainty that always comes with Kirk Cousins and basically nothing to get excited about behind him or the Bears with game manager Andy Dalton, successful game manager over the course of his career and maybe the next great thing in Justin Fields. And and for now, Nick Foles to boot. It's a good question. Um, I guess I would say, you know, if, if I were looking at it from the perspective of winning this year, I'd probably take the Vikings, although I'm not – certain what Fields is capable of this year. And and going back to what we said early in the conversation, when he's going to get on the field, um, you know, he uh, he's got so much ability. I mean, if you're looking at the long term, certainly you'd say you take the Bears without a doubt. Um, but I, I guess it's uh, it would probably be unreasonable to not expect some growing pains with Fields and some you know, one step forward, two steps back type of things, uh, even though, you know, right now everyone is just so caught up in what he did well in the preseason and training camp. That's understandable. Uh, but his uh, inexperience, you know, has got to be a factor at some point unless he's just, uh, you know, an all-time natural. I mean, we've seen uh, some of the, the greatest quarterbacks of all time have uh, struggled early, early in their careers. And um, uh, certainly that's why Matt Nagy is starting Andy Dalton, because he thinks that Fields could benefit from a little bit more time learning instead of being pressured to perform quickly. Clearly, there is no right or wrong answer. I, I asked the question for fun, for conversation purposes. But, you know, you think about it with all the angst and wailing and gnashing of teeth here in, in Chicago. Who would have thought that we could be having the, the conversation about the possibility that the Bears have the second best quarterback in the room, in the division right now, quarterback room. So yeah, how about uh, that? Yeah, that, that's how much things have changed. But if they don't continue to change, and if Justin Fields isn't the answer, uh, we shall see. I know nobody wants to consider that possibility, nor do I. I think it would be really disappointing. Uh, but that's where we're at in their development right now. Dan, I really appreciate your time tonight. It's about to get really busy for everybody, so I doubly appreciate you giving us the time. Please give my best to Colette and the boys, and I hope to catch you in person sometime very soon. Okay, good to talk with you, Hub. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Dan Pompey. Follow him every day at The Athletic and stay tuned for his regular appearances right here at 670 The Score. We're going to take a very quick commercial break. When we get back, I've got a window for some calls, guys. 312-644-6767. Dial me up on the BetQL listener line. I look forward to talking to you in just a moment right here on The Score. No, I wouldn't say leap of faith, but I think there's, for us, it's going to be very important that the next couple weeks here, uh, as we start getting into scheme and what we want to do, that they understand where we're at. I, I feel good about that part. The other part of it, too, is just, again, with like a Fetty and Jason Peters on the edges, them working the calls and the signals with uh, with the guards. And then conditioning-wise, too, where they were. I mean, JP said he felt good. 
Um, and, you know, Afedi told me, you know, I know he was upset about getting beat on the edge there. So he, first thing he said to me on the plane is he's going to fix that. So those guys care. It's a good nucleus of guys. We got depth behind them. So, we, we you know, again, we got to have a good two weeks here before we get going. Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking about the ongoing development and growth of his offensive line, particularly the offensive tackle position. I am Hub Arkish here with you until 9 o'clock tonight on The Score and the bottom of the hour was brought to you by Duck Duck Go. We are working the phones right now. We've got a great lineup of guests. We were just lucky enough to visit with Dan Pompey. Greg Gabriel's going to stop by at 7 o'clock at 7.40. Big Aunt Anthony Heron will be here. In the 8 o'clock hour, my buddy Eric Edholm checks in. So we're going a little bigger picture, some Bears Central stuff, but also keeping you up to speed on the NFL. The cuts are coming pretty slowly at this point. There'll be a lot more news when you wake up in the morning. But any news that breaks while we are on the air, you will get it here first. Brandon Fryer behind the glass producing, doing an outstanding job as always. Uh, so Brandon and I are your team tonight up until 9 o'clock. And right now we're going to take you right back to the score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And Josh is up first out in Elgin. Josh, thanks for calling. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm good, thanks. Okay, so why can't the Bears get it right, man? How long has the offensive line been a problem in Chicago? I mean, my goodness, I feel like going back to Rex Grossman, can't get it right. Fix one problem in the quarterback, and you still got three holes. Defense is trash. Our offensive line's trash. Our receiving game is just—it's not—it's not comparable to these other good elite teams. When are the Bears going to ever ever really be back in the playoff talk? Well, Josh, <clears throat> they were in the playoffs nine months ago, you know, and, and I know it's not in a way that Bears fans were satisfied going eight and eight and having the six game losing streak. Um, but you paint a picture that is just not accurate of where the team is at right now. Yeah, the offensive line has been a problem for a while. It wasn't that awful as recently as, as six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, the last four or five years, they have suffered in part because they did not commit to it, hadn't used a first-round draft choice on an offensive lineman in forever until they – well, Tevin Jenkins wasn't a first-round – they still haven't used a first-round draft choice uh, in a long, long time. But they did prioritize it this year by using their second and third picks in the draft on Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum. Um, you know, the Jason Peters experiment is more out of necessity than plan, but it still is intriguing. And, and actually, you've got – Second round picks at both guards, uh, Cody Whitehair and James Daniels with Pro Bowl potential. Sam Mustafer looks to be a guy who can be a quality starting center, if not an all-star, for some time to come. And Alex Bars gives you tremendous depth inside. So I think the interior of the offensive line is okay. Uh, I think you've really just misrepresented where the defense and some other things are at. Uh, but we'll give the Bears a chance to prove you wrong. I, all I can do is, is lay out you know, what I believe to be the facts as we have them right now. Let's get to Geneva and welcome Mike in. Mike, how you doing? Great, Hub. How are you? I hope sometime that uh, all this COVID stuff lifts up and we get to see you in person again. It's so fun <laughs> to see you out in the field. We, uh, we all enjoy that. Thank you, Mike. I um, appreciate it, and I, yeah. hope, I hope it happens soon, too. For More importantly, just for everybody's uh, you know, health and peace of mind. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm super interested in Roquan Smith and what you think about him, how he's doing. 
that guy's a game changer. And, you know, coming off his uh, injuries and all that, I just want to know how you feel. Thanks. Well, I mean, I, I think you knew coming out of Georgia. I remember sitting there on draft night. We were live in the, the U, uh, I want to get the sponsor wrong, uh, in the club at Soldier Field. I'm not sure who the sponsor was at the time. Um, and and uh, I was on with Dan Pompey, who was just here. Patrick Manley was there. Uh, I think Olin was with us. And, of course, Jeff and Tom. And, and everybody to a man wanted Roquan. And, and I said, you know, I love Roquan. But I think Minka Fitzpatrick may be the, the more permanent game changer. It's turned out that they both are. And, and Roquan is an outstanding football player. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, they exercised the fifth-year option on him. So he will be a Bear uh, at least one more year after this year. But they'd really rather not get to that fifth-year option. They'd like to be able to, to do a long-term extension. Right now, they're pretty tight against the cap. So I wouldn't look for anything to, to be imminent. Um, but he has become the leader of that defense. Um, uh, Khalil Mack obviously leads by example, but he's not the most vocal guy in the world. It is Roquan, who is the captain, who's making all the calls, who's getting him in the right spots. And uh, I think that this could be the, he was second team All-Pro last year, you know, and, and this could be the year uh, where he breaks through and becomes a first team All-Pro. People pretty much, I think the, the consensus, there's nothing unanimous about it, is that Fred Warner uh, may be the best inside backer in the game today. Uh, you've got Devin White in Tampa now in that conversation as well. Uh, some people would put Devin Bush of Pittsburgh in that conversation if he could stay healthy enough. He hasn't to this point. But I think Roquan's as good as any of them. I, I think he's right now as good as any inside linebacker in the league. And it's one of the reasons that I continue to have hope that this defense can rebound uh, to a 2018-type performance. I don't know if all those 30-something starters can play to that level, but Roquan certainly is and can. Uh, I know that Bilal Nichols is getting better all the time. Eddie Jackson, we can hope, can bounce back. There are some of the young guys that you're counting on, and Roquan is, is the leader of that group. So let me get one more before we have to break again. Julian is in Peru. Julian, how you doing? Good. Uh, yeah, so nobody's really talking about Justin Fields and the history of Ohio State quarterbacks being bust. Uh, does that concern Bears fans at all? Um, or would they just kind of ride in the wave that he's supposed to be, uh, you know, really great? Well, yeah, Julian, I think it's pretty well documented that Ohio State quarterbacks have struggled at the next level uh, over the last decade or two or, or maybe longer. Um, but as a Michigan alum, I can tell you there was a time when nobody thought a Michigan quarterback would ever play in the NFL. And then one after another, they started churning them out and all became starters, including the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. So obviously even though there's some truth to the failure of past Ohio State quarterbacks, that doesn't necessarily project onto Justin Fields. And, and I think what you do is you rank him based on the NFL prospect that he is, the physical prospect that he is, the arm talent, the athletic ability, and now we've come to learn in a short period of time what appears to be the outstanding character and, and work habits. So, um, you know, you don't ignore the, the legacy of recent Ohio State quarterbacks, but I don't see anything in what I've learned about Justin Fields to suggest that he has some of the same issues that caused all those other quarterbacks to fail. And by the way, you know, just to be clear, I talk about this on the air a lot, and I have a feeling people just don't want to listen sometimes. 
all first-round quarterbacks, not all, but the majority of first-round quarterbacks fail, not just Ohio State quarterbacks. Over the last 11 years, 32 quarterbacks have been taken with top 15 picks in the first round, and by any reasonable measure, 29 of them, I won't say they failed, but they have absolutely failed to live up to expectations and not succeeded with the team that drafted them. And obviously, they didn't all go to Ohio State. So it's tough. And again, I'm a Michigan alum. It'd be easy for me to take shots at Ohio State right now. I'd probably even enjoy it, but it wouldn't be journalistic or, or ethical or honest. I, you know, uh, I just don't think that, that other quarterbacks out of Ohio State who failed suggest that there's any reason that Justin Fields should. He's one of the most impressive kids I've seen in a while. Um, he's got arm talent that reminds me of a very few in their Hall of Famers, and I think that's what the Bears are counting on right now. Hopefully the rest of the, the necessary pieces of the package are there as well. So, guys, thank you for your calls. We're going to get a lot more calls and texts as the show goes on, but right now we need to break for the top of the hour. And on the other side, I could not find a more experienced expert in what's going on in the 32 NFL war rooms right now than our very own Greg Gabriel, another guy you hear a lot here on The Score, also spent a decade as the Bears Director of College Scouting, over 30 years as an NFL scout. He knows exactly what's happening in those war rooms. He's going to break it all down for us in just a minute right here at 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.